And I'm delighted to have with me in the studio today Daniel Shepherd and uh, Gemma Minter, and they're both from the Institutional History Society. Hello. Hi. Well, how did all this get going? Whose idea was it to create the Historical History Society? Uh, So it was a a chance occurrence. So I went into the the lightbox one day and started talking to a guy called Neil Burnett. Oh, yes, the lightbox in Woking. Indeed, yes, a a veritable and wonderful institution. And um, he works for the Heritage Committee there. Uh, And I wanted to get involved because I was quite new to the area. And they said to me, well, you can get involved. There's two choices, really, in, in researching Woking's history. You have the choice of the entirety of Woking's history from the Stone Age right until the present moment, or Woking's invalid convict prison. Oh. And, <laughs> and it was he an easy you, choice. He gave you the idea, then, for that, did Indeed, you? indeed. OK, how about you, Gemma? How did you get involved, then? Oh, uh, so Daniel and I have known each other for... Uh, just over a year and a half, two years, about that. Um, and I'd just come back from travelling. I was looking for something to do before I went back to work. Um, came back a little early and desperately needed something to do. So I started helping him out with some transcription. Um, and it went from there. I'd be phoning him going, Daniel, I found this prisoner who's done something obscene. And we would talk for hours and it snowballed. Well, the title of the organisation is a bit grander than just looking at prisons in Woking, isn't it? So you, you've got other ideas, I presume. You're going to expand the thing? Yes. Um, uh, there is a world beyond Woking. Is there? Uh, <laughs> really what we're hoping to do is, is to categorise and to explore you know, all the different types of institutions that, that are part of societies around the world. And, and we feel like you can really judge a society by how it treats its weakest people. So by looking at workhouses, by looking at prisons, asylums, you can really understand, you know, how progressed is a society. And so is this really starting back in the Victoria, Victorian era? And going on? <laughs> that, that's a bit recent. Um, no, going back that's, further, oh, yeah. much, much further. Right. You've got punishment, obviously, it's, it's, it's yeah. always been around, but yeah. uh, prisons, uh, hospitals, the so Magdalene laundries, you think about it, they've been around for a long, long time. Right, okay, so it's all sorts of institutions, and even, even how they've treated the mentally ill, for example, and, uh, and the poor overall. In, indeed, so I think one of the interesting things, particularly about Woking, is also the definition of, of mentally ill and, and crimes as well. So we've got people within Woking prison who are homosexual, and they are classed as having sort of deviant tendencies and actually are, are, are imprisoned because of it. Um, it's, well, it's, of course, it's not only been fairly recently that uh, that's become legal, homosexuality anyway, isn't it? You know, not many years ago. Indeed, indeed. It's, so, it's, so it's taken a long time to change. So a, a lot of the, the things which were current in the Victorian mind, um, you know, coming to grips with, you know, sexuality, coming to grips with, you know, is this right, is this wrong, are, are still things we're, we're coming to grips with today. And there's, there's a sort of real pertinence of the past having a, a place to play in the present. Yes, makes us think, doesn't it? Yeah. So tell us a bit about Woking Prison then. When, when did that and how did that get constructed and, uh, and who decided to do that? So, uh, Woking Prison was the brainchild of a man called Joshua Jebb. Uh, they purchased some land that uh, the Necropolis Company, London Necropolis Company, had uh, basically held in reserve. Um, and the government had said, you can only sell a certain amount of it, you can sell it within 10 years, and we want to buy that bit. Um, and so they purchased this land and decided they were going to put an invalid prison on it, um, 
for a while the invalids had been held on hulks and that was a disastrous idea because people died in droves. Then mm. they moved them to a temporary prison down in Lewis. Uh, yeah, and oh, right, ship them out the way. Absolutely. Yes, yes. put them over in, in Lewis, no one will notice. Um, and then they decided that actually these prisoners need a separate a separate area they need to be looked after slightly differently they need to be doing work still for the for the country for the good of of their health as well but they needed to be doing slightly different work and so uh in 1859 they finally opened the doors to the first 94 inmates um who finished building it um and then eventually 1860 they started moving over the first tranche of uh invalids right and you're saying the necropolis company of course that was uh, famous for brookwood cemetery and uh, yes. bringing the dead out of london by train and so on absolutely absolutely they uh there's quite uh i think a large tie-in between woking invalid prison and brookwood cemetery quite a lot of the prisoners are buried there oh right okay were you hinting that the prison was built by the prisoners then oh it definitely was there was uh the first 94 were were brought into one wing and they built the rest of it really so one wing was built they lived there and then had to build the rest of the prison exactly this is amazing, isn't it? You think think today we if we tried to do that. To a certain extent, we do. Do we? We absolutely do. We we send convicts out to to do uh, public works. You know. Oh yes, we uh, do. Yes, right. Okay. That's that's the care in the community type of things. We ah, we okay. send them out to do to litter pick and all the rest of it. Mm. It's just our idea of of what we can do with someone who is mm. on, on serving their country mm. is slightly different. Right, you've done much research into who actually was in prison then, mm-hmm. what sort of people. Yes, we have. Who was the first uh, prisoner then? I suppose it depends how, how deep we want to go into So, So the first prisoner on the ground is a guy called William Stratton, who is, is not your archetypal first prisoner. He's, he's not particularly built for building prisons, as it were. He wasn't a bricklayer, he wasn't a labourer. He was a fraudster, um, quite an interesting character. He um, actually started the first boat race between Oxford and Cambridge. He, indeed, (laughs) he also um, was an inspiration. His crime was an inspiration for Little Dorrit by uh, Charles Dickens. So his crime was committing fraud. Um, And whilst awaiting trial, he um, was in trouble a little bit because when he was in Newgate Prison, he had lots of favours. So he was pretty much living out of the governor's residence. His wife was visiting every day until 10 at night. Um, Who knows what they got up to? Probably talking about finances. Who knows? Maybe not. Lots of hard figures. Um, (laughs) But um, Maybe not. But he was... um, imprisoned for for committing a crime for taking one of his clients's bonds and using it for his own uh, his own good and he was brought to woking to in theory help build the prison but he had no skills that would help do that he was likely brought there to he could count the bricks though couldn't he? <laughs> indeed he could he, he, he probably was brought there to have an easy time and he's released um after four years of a 15-year sentence which he also should have been mm. transported for so are there still records then of the people who were there you obviously you arranged to research there, there is an abundance of records. So the, the sort of main point of call, really, when researching a prisoner is the, the prisoner logs. Um, so these are registers that prisoners would have to do. Um, if you want to go deeper into it, so you've got mm. quarterly returns. So at least really? four oh. times a year, there'd be for every prison within, or the big prisons within the UK, uh, a record of who's what and where. All Britain, beautifully handwritten. <laughs> yeah, on wax paper or what? Don't even talk to me about the handwriting. If you think doctors yes. are bad, yeah, really. hieroglyphs, honestly. It's yes, 
I, spiders wandering yeah, I have through done ink. a bit of family history research at times and gone through some of these very old volumes because now it's all on, online. But, you know, fascinating to go through these old books and registries and so on. So what sort of crimes have these people committed then overall? A variety? Oh, my sure. goodness. It is. It's it must such, be interesting. It, it's incredible. It is such a wide range of, of crimes. We've got someone who they were, who was called the sham detective. Uh, he used to be a police officer, and then there was lots of theft and lying and escaping. He escaped from Woking Convict Prison. Um, not we've, for long. Not for long. No, he was caught three months later. Um, it was stated as saying something along the lines of, um, it was basically a fair cop, but if I can get out again, I'm going to. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had, obviously, multiple murderers. We've got uh, spousal abuse. We've got people who... Uh, attempted to subvert members of the of the, the army. Um, oh, really? It's yeah. it's incredible. So yes, every, every name's got a obviously a, a conviction against it. Yeah, it's it's a perfect slice of Victorian society. So you have mm. rich and poor. You have crimes of all sorts. Mm. I mean, I think one of my personal favourites. Uh, maybe favourite isn't the right word, but is a is a blind man who was imprisoned for using counterfeit coins. <laughs> How is he meant to know? <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. any any self thinking, you know, modern yeah. person would go, "This yeah. is absurd." Yeah, and yet these things happened. But um, I mean, though, you know, crimes. I suppose in modern technology has changed them, but the basics of crimes are still the same. I guess aren't they really? Whether it's fraud, deception, murder. Absolutely. The the interesting thing about the Victorian um, crime system really is, in the absence of uh, sort of CSI and the things we take for granted now, is witness testimony because local people would commit local crimes. Mm. Um, so it would often be the, the witness going, "It was him," and they'd go, "Well, it must be him." Right. Interesting. Yes, because people didn't travel so far generally well, as they do today, I suppose. And when they did, you had this huge gap between crime and conviction we have a gentleman who committed a crime was only found out four years later that he murdered somebody when one of his colleagues got caught and fessed up oh really yes yeah. so yeah so you've got all these different cases you can actually look up is a lot of this at woking history center is it or is it where are the records all over the place, if I'm honest. Uh, mm. Some of it's held by the British Library. There's the newspaper ah, yes. archives. Yes. Uh, some of it's held by the National Archives. Mm. Surrey History Centre has some bits. Mm. Uh, the London School of uh, Politics and Economics has some bits. So you've you even it. had a bit of fun tracking down these sources then, presumably. Exactly. So, so one of the things we, we want to do in future is actually to go to the locations of the, the prisoners. So a lot of the prisoners, you know, they come from all over the UK. Some oh, really? Them, right. Indeed. I just thought they might be, you know, locally based, you know, in Surrey or whatever. Because this was the only invalid prison in the, in the country, we've ah. got people who were shipped in from court-martials in Quebec. Really? Absolutely. Gibraltar as well. Gibraltar, we have them brought yeah. Back. Oh, right, OK. And the term invalid, just explain that to me. What does that really mean? An invalid is someone who wasn't able to follow the normal process of a, of penal service. So somebody who suffered from uh, either a delusion, um, perhaps they were, quite often they were malingering. Um, that's the technical term. Lazy. Um, Lazy. <laughs> yes. Yes, there were definitely people who, who faked paralysis and things, but there was a yeah. lot of consumption, ah, typhoid. Yes. Mm. You know, some people were only invalided for a short period of time if they had perhaps... Uh, Bronchitis, serious asthma, you name it, they would. Right. The lame, the 
simple as they put it mm-hmm. um we also had a uh, at least one inmate who proclaimed himself to be jesus that was his delusion that was his delusion there's always one there's always one and it was only sort of any length of stay was it quite long in prison was it with these sentences it varied a great deal so the first 94 prisoners they were all at the end of their sentences and generally speaking they only had a four-year sentence however from that point it becomes such a vast array we've got lifers in there who will serve 17 Mm. 18 years Mm. of that some of them will die there some Mm. of them won't you've got people who are there for generally the minimum is is three years um otherwise you tend to find that less than a three-year sentence they're likely to be kept a bit more local right okay and um i mean if they got murderers there i mean where were they hanging them there did they well that's an interesting one so um the bloody code as it was called the 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 idea of, of basically hanging people or killing people for everything stopped it stopped becoming such a big thing whilst you know hangings did happen they weren't for everything anymore and the conviction rate because of it went through the roof so these people weren't going to die however some of them were sentenced to death which was then transmuted to life in prison right okay so where about exactly in woking knowing woking where where was the prison in today's terms so it's over in nap hill uh near uh the Churchill School and St John's. Oh right, okay, yes, yes. I know the Churchill School. So, so it's formerly known John's. as in- what? Well, uh, post near the canal and- Inkerman, Inkerman Barracks is what it became known as. Oh until it was right, Inkerman Barracks. Oh yes. right, okay. So that's that's where it all was. And when did the prison close then? In the end, eighteen eighty nine for the male prison. Um, right. There were so still. Uh, connected to it was the female prison which lasted for about another five years mm-hmm. obviously we're focusing on the men yeah do, you, not- yeah do you know why it closed in the end <laughs> the incidence of uh, disabled or mentally Ill, mentally ill inmates went down there right, was no okay. need for it anymore and people yeah by that time were understanding some of these conditions better or maybe things were improving a little bit for people Ex- exactly. Not. <laughs> I, mean, I, I suppose it depends what you mean by improving. Yes, it was still changing. Electro yeah. shock convulsive therapy. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you're sure. But general health was massively improving. Our mm. our medical understanding, our medical knowledge was going mm. through the roof. Um, we had Florence Nightingale and her her Crimean Crusades, um, and that made big differences in in the lives of many. Yeah. Okay. Well, if people want to find out more about the you and the organisation, how do they do that? Uh, so we have a website, uh, institutionalhistory.com. Um, we also have a Facebook group, which is... Institu- uh, Institutional History Society. And we also have a, a Gmail uh, account as well. If you want to email us with any questions or you'd like to volunteer and, and help us you know, work for this worthy cause, which is institutionalhistory at gmail.com. Right, well, thank you, both of you, for coming in today and uh, a fascinating discussion. And we wish you well with your research. Thank, Thank you. May you, you have a look much. at even more prisons. <laughs> <laughs>